Pat Meyer and the Pittsburgh Steelers run game turned the season around on offense in 2022, but is it enough going into 2023? I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Today, we're going to talk about the Steelers run game, focusing on the running backs and the offensive linemen currently on the roster. We're going to look at what they bring to the table and what the Steelers could look to add to these positions. When we're talking about the main players in the run game, uh, you've got about eight backs and linemen that are the main guys in in this offensive run game. And five of them are on the offensive line. So we're going to start with the offensive line. I want to, We're going to move right to left. Because uh, the right side, I think everyone agrees the right side is kind of set here. Chukwuma Korafor uh, had probably his best season yet. You just really didn't hear about him. There's really nothing to notice. And when your right tackle uh, gives you nothing to talk about, that's all right. That's good. Steelers ran good to his side. He offered good pass protection. Uh, Okorafor is still young. He's experienced. He's been around for a while. And he really has kind of grown into his own as a guy who executes well. Whatever job you give him, he's going to give you good play at it. Is he dominant? No. Is he going to shove people all over the place and create highlights and pancakes? No. What he is going to do is execute the play you give him at a high enough level that you're going to have success at his, at least for his part, right? He is one-fifth of a successful offensive line. That's who Chuck Wimokorafor is. He's got a good, solid contract. He's around for a while. He's set. Next to him is James Daniels. Steelers brought him in as a free agent. Uh, he immediately stepped up and became a leader on the offensive line. He struggled mightily early with his communication and knowing exactly what to do. You could tell there was... Uh, some nuances in the scheme changes that caused him problems. In preseason, he looked like a guy who forgot how to play football. Early, very, very early on in the season, there were a lot of mistakes by him. By the end of the year, he was the best lineman on the Steelers. Uh, similar to Okorafor and the fact that he just didn't mess up, he executed the play right. Uh, but James Daniels drove the success more of the line more than just you know, filling his part of the execution at a high level, which is what Okorafor did. Uh, James Daniels added to that. And from the conversations, from the talk on the team, uh, it appears he is kind of the leader of this line. So he's safe. That's the right side of the line. Good. When we go to Mason Cole at center, Mason Cole really tied down the center spot. He played really well. If you look around the league at the normal NFL starting center, what Mason Cole gave the Steelers this year is starting caliber center play. In Pittsburgh, that's a little different. Pittsburgh is built around Dermani Dawson. It's built around you know, Marquise Pouncey. Going all the way back, centers have been a huge part of the Steelers' offense since Mike Webster. You get guys in between, uh, but the Steelers, really, there's there's not a lot of centers on that list. If you go back to you know Chuck Knoll uh, through today, 
and you look at how long centers have played here. It's a lot of Dawson. It's a lot of Webb's and it's a lot of, it's a lot of pouncy. And then there's people in between, but the Steelers are used to asking for more of their center, more of their center than other teams do and getting it. Stuff they asked Marquise Pouncey to do was not stuff you ask your center to do, even at the end of his career. One of the reasons he was getting blown up and pushed to the backfield is they were asking him to snap the ball and then take on big nose tackles, big defensive tackles. No matter no matter how good that player is, centers simply do not do that without help in the NFL. Consistently. Pouncey did for most of his career. Mason Cole is not Mike Webster, Dermani Dawson, Marquise Pouncer, Pouncey. I, I wouldn't put him on the level of a Jeff Hardings, who was there for that fan, those fantastic like early seasons of Ben Roethlisberger's career. He, he's not those guys. Is he a solid starting center in this NFL? Yes. And he, similar to a Corafor, is going to give you a solid starting level play executing a wide variety of different, you know, assignments. What uh, some of his strengths were in combo blocks is one of the things centers usually do. It's one of the reasons inside zone is, is so nice. It doesn't ask your center to take on a defensive tackle alone. It lets him have help. Um, we'll talk about this when we move to the next position more, but, uh, Mason Cole and Kevin Dotson were really good. Mason Cole and James Daniels were really good on combo blocks. Mason Cole, treated like a normal NFL center, is going to be fine for the Steelers. Could you upgrade from Mason Cole? The answer is absolutely yes, you could. If you brought in a top-tier free agent, or if a really highly talented center drops in the draft to you, like a Marquise Pouncey type player is there, absolutely. Uh, Mason Cole would be a very high-tier backup guard and center. He has flexibility there. He'd be a high-tier player as a backup. Uh, as a as a starter, he is solid. So that that's where I say on Mason Cole. So from, from Mason Cole to the right, I think most people expect those three to be back. I think pretty much everyone understands that they're they're going to be the starters next season. And then that's pretty good. Where we start having discussions is on the left side. And we'll move on to that with Kevin Dotson. Kevin Dotson is not a natural zone blocker. He's not built for that naturally. Uh, he's a he's a mauler. We saw that his rookie season, he was next to Park Marquis Pouncey. Pouncey kind of you know, steered the bull and Dan and uh, Kevin Dotson was, was the bull, right? Like Pouncey was like, hit that guy and, and just boom, Kevin Dotson went and got him. And without asking too much of him scheme wise, Kevin Dotson just took whoever was across from him and bullied the crap out of him as a rookie. When they, when he lost Marquise Pouncey and his center was Green, Kendra Green, or J.C. Hassenhauer, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. He was asked to do more. 
he didn't have veteran leadership right next to him, helping him, and he struggled. Looking at him this season, breaking it down, he's still not a great outside zone, lateral move type of player. He is still a dominant inside zone mauler. You get him on combo blocks, and he's a beast. You get him one-on-one with most defensive linemen in the NFL, and even some of the top-tier guys, he's going to drive them back. If that's his job, if it's like, just take this guy and move him. That's Kevin Dotson right there. He's your bulldozer. He is one of the very few linemen. In fact, I'm confident saying he is the... Only lineman that's going to consistently, one versus one, drive back one of the other team's better run-blocking defensive linemen. Kevin Dotson's just going to straight up move it. That's Kevin Dotson. That's who he is. By the end of the season, the 2022 season, Kevin Dotson was looking like he understood what he was doing in zone blocking, what he needed to do. He moved anywhere from passable to good in the outside zone plays, moving laterally, uh, understanding he needed to move, how to move guys laterally, how to move laterally and slow them down. I mean, if if his job is that guy right there, push him really hard, Kevin Dotson's going to excel at it. The problem is when you're trying to slow guys down, when you're trying to control the person, when you're moving in a, in a you know sideways while trying to control them and their lateral the defensive line's lateral movement, that's not natural to him, but he was getting better at it. In pass blocking, he looked very good to me. PFF graded him very highly. In pass blocking this year, anytime again he's one-on-one, uh, it's, it's most of the time it's a win. He If he's going to get beat, it's not going to get beat by the bullies on the defensive line, if you know what I'm saying. Like you've seen Cam Hayward just take a guy, move him a bit to the side, and then extend that arm. And it's just like he, he takes one arm and is like, nope, I got you under control. And it just you know bullies him with strength. You got a guy with moves, with some quickness, with some stuff. Those guys can, can get past Kevin Dotson. I, I still think he's very good against them. I don't think that's a liability at all. But if your move is just to straight up try and power Kevin Dotson, you're losing. You're just going to lose. You're going to take a whole bunch of losses this game. Because if you're facing off against Kevin Dotson and your move is just power, not it's not, it's not going to help you. Uh, to, to throw back to previous Steeler seasons, if you had to pick a def- uh, an offensive guard to block Stefan Tuitt, who was a bull in the china shop kind of defensive lineman, just I'm going to come straight at you. I've got a swim move and that's about it. And I'm just going to, I've got a bull rush and a swim move. And I'm just going to drive you back into your quarterback. That was Stefan too. I loved his game. So much fun to watch him just bully people. Kevin Dotson is the kind of lineman you want to line up across from a Stefan to it. Dotson isn't the best with stunts. Not bad though. Like I, I, I'm, I'm trying to give you his weaknesses because his strengths are like top tier. And what he's very good at, he's incredible. And we've seen that before. We saw that with him as a rookie. When you kept it to just what he's best at, he was dominant. Well, he's still that dude. He's gotten better at other things, but he's also being asked to do a lot more different things. Again, combo blocks. Dotson's about as good as it gets. 
You you look at a lot of the Steelers' short yardage pickups. You look at Derek Watt. Derek Watt converted, what, seven out of eight runs for first downs in short yardage. He ran behind Dotson and Cole. Just Kevin Dotson and, and Mason Cole run be, run right behind him. Run up the two of those guys. Like, find them, run up, and hit right in between them. Right into their butts and their back and just, just, just you're going to make it. That's Kevin Dotson. He is the only guy on this offensive line that you can consistently put in that position and do it. And I want to stress that because if you replace Kevin Dotson, you lose that. If you say, well, Kevin Dotson is not as good as outside zone, so the outside zone game could be better if we got a a guard that fit that better. Well, you're going to lose some of your power. You're kind of your Ramon Foster power. I'm going to compare Dotson to Ramon Foster. I think Dotson actually has the pedigree and more talent. Ramon Foster stuck around because he, he got the most out of what he had. And he was really good. In a phone booth, Ramon Foster was tough to go against. You know what I mean by a phone booth? It means you're enclosed. You can't really go much laterally. You know, you're stuck just you and him in a narrow corridor. Boom. Ramon Foster was going to kick your butt. That's all it was. And that's what Ramon Foster brought. And he made a long career out of it. It was a good, not great, but good offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kevin Dotson is that dude, and I think we're seeing him grow. Similar to how Ramon Foster grew into a solid, you know, all-around player who still had that phone booth strength. I think Kevin Dotson is going to be a Ramon Foster. I think he has the potential to be better than Foster was. But I think that's the kind of player you're looking at. I don't know if you replace that. I really don't know if you replace that. I, I I honestly think he is going to be a hard player to replace, especially with a rookie. And I don't know if it's worth the effort to even try. I think Kevin Dotson, like you're, you want what he brings that the rest of the line doesn't have. So you're going to live with some of the less good stuff that the other offensive linemen do better at than him, right? You're going to live with a little less than outside zone because when you need those power yards, He brings them. He's the dude. Going to our left tackle, Dan Moore Jr. was the weak link in 2022. He was. He was the weak link in 2020. Well, I'd say he was the weak link in 2021, but that ignores the center. Uh, he, He was the weakest link in 2021 to start in 2022. He was the weak link in 2022. He's also a second year player who grew from his rookie season, especially in pass blocking. You could tell that was a big focus for Dan Moore Jr. was his pass blocking, and his back pass blocking improved a lot. Dan Moore Jr. has ideal length for the position and for Pat Meyer's system, where Pat Myers likes longer reach on his tack. He likes really long-armed offensive linemen. Dan Moore Jr. has great length, and he's strong. Strong with good, really good reach. He messes up, doesn't navigate traffic the best, 
doesn't always see what's going on the clearest, doesn't doesn't adjust to, to what's going on as quickly as you'd like him to. But he's big, he's strong, and he has a long reach. In the NFL, tackles have survived and had long careers based purely on that and not much else. Dan Moore Jr. has that. He is your obvious place to be upgraded. And as you can hear me talking here, the next question for me is, does this offensive line actually need to be upgraded? If you're upgrading the offense, the offensive line seems like the obvious place. But again, they improved over the course of the season. And I want to give you some numbers here from Football Outsiders, DVOA, value over average uh, it's it's comparing uh, defenses and offenses and, and, and kind of says, you know, how well did you do against the players you faced, right? If you're blocking Cameron Hayward or if you're blocking, uh, I don't know, uh, Isaiah Bugs, right? It's a different experience blocking Cameron Hayward and blocking Isaiah Bugs for an offensive lineman. Uh, you would expect to have more success against Isaiah Bugs. They just kind of rate overall team and and line success based on their opponents. For looking into offensive line numbers, especially in the run game, Football Outsiders has the Steelers' stats ranking number one in power success rate, which holds up. I mean, Derek Watt, 7 of 8. Every wide receiver to run... uh, on third or fourth down and three or less, converted a first down. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren converted two. Quarterbacks were converting on sneaks. When we needed two yards, we got two yards at a higher rate than any other team in the NFL. And that's across the season. That's not just late in the season. This isn't second half of the year stats. This isn't last four games when the was really coming together and, and, and playing at its best. This is for the full season. Over the course of the entire season, the Steelers converted short yardage at a higher rate than any other team. They ranked fourth in being in what they called stuffed category, which is the percentage of runs that just got blown up because the interior of the line, like the line failed, runs got blown up. They had the fourth fewest adjusted for opponent. The fourth fewest. They rank 10th overall in offensive line yards. That is runs for, for their line yards for, for football outsiders. They cut it off at a certain, they cut it off at different measures. Like the first three yards of a run or four yards, it's, it's, it's right around that range, are considered offensive line yards. If every yard after that is discarded, right? So if you lose yardage, that's in your line yards. If you gain three yards, that's in your line yardage. If you gain nine yards, three of those yards are in line yards. Really like magnifying losses and zero yard runs and and they kind of strips away the long runs and gains that skew uh, yards per carry and says, how consistently do you gain three yards? As you can imagine, like think of Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers were really high <laughs> in uh, in line yards with when they had Le'Veon Bell. They just didn't lose yards. Uh, this year they were 10th. That's still good. 
And over a course of the season where early on, they really struggled and had a lot of losses, a lot of plays that did, went for zero yards for less than what they needed to, to gain. That's pretty good. To end up 10th in line yards, number one in power success, fourth and stuff, that's good. If the Steelers are going to upgrade this offensive line, the place to do it is on the left side. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you you need to draft a starter. If you want to definitely upgrade and move on from Dan Moore Jr. as a starter, you need to bring in a veteran left tackle who has been uh, running the kind of schemes and the kind of plays the Steelers are going to ask of them and having success in the NFL in those schemes. That's what you're going to need to add. Someone who has the mental side of it down and and can, can execute everything the Steelers ask him. That's how you improve on Dan Moore Jr. The rest of the line, I, I, I you're having to pay a, a lot of money. You're bringing in people that cost money. You're bringing in higher-end people. For the draft, and this is where it's interesting to me, the Steelers, most of their backups are not under contract on the offensive line. The real place, if you want to add a young draftee to this team, to me, it's you go out and you find a tackle who may have to switch to guard. Right? You find a guard-tackle kind of combo player. You grab them. Make sure they're big and they're long. And they can sit behind Dan Moore Jr. and Kevin Dotson. Or if they come out as a rookie and really shine, move out there and take over a spot. I expect Kevin Dotson to stick around. His play on the field is is a lot better than his reputation, in my opinion. Especially towards the end of the season when he was getting more comfortable doing outside zone stuff. So there is room to improve on this offensive line, but if, if the Steelers come back with the same starting five next year, that's not a bad thing. This could be a, a good line. I, I also need to point this out. Dan Moore Jr., that's his second season. That's, that's nothing. Offensive linemen play a long time. Offensive linemen take time to develop. Chikumo Korofor just had his best season and is finally like a good NFL offensive lineman. He's the longest tenured Steeler on offense. He's been here longer than any other Steeler player on offense. And he's now really coming into his own. Dan Moore Jr., if he sticks around and is the starter in 2023, that'll be a third year in the NFL. Kevin Dotson was in his third year this year. His first season, they protected him. He looked great second year. They asked him to be a real NFL offensive lineman, and he wasn't ready for it. This year, he grew into that role. Dan Moore Jr. sticks around and comes back next year. It'll be a very big year for him. It'll be his third season in the NFL. That's a big year for offensive linemen. And we'll see. Another guy who fits that is Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green obviously didn't have to play. That was good. He's apparently working with Marquise Pouncey. Perhaps he's realized guard is not where it's at for him. And he's given center a real go. 
working with Marquise Pouncey, trying to get his game together. I'm not I'm not going to count on him <laughs> for anything at all, but you know, third season is something you keep in mind with offensive linemen. It takes time. Marcus Gilbert took time. Turned out to be a very very nice right tackle for the Steelers there for years. Alejandro Villanueva was in the NFL for several seasons before he really blossomed into the player he became. It takes time, especially on the offensive line. There's a lot of complexity, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff you just have to become familiar with. Dan Moore Jr. is working towards that. Kevin Dotson is reaching that point. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what the Steelers do. I know they are looking at Lyman uh, at the Senior Bowl. They were looking at him. So I, I will not be surprised if they bring in some linemen, especially in the mid-rounds. Uh, but I don't expect them to draft for a starter or to really prioritizing upgrading the offensive line this offseason because it's not bad. It's not really bad. It's actually pretty good, what we saw at the end of the season. All right, that's our first half of the show. When we, We're going to take a commercial break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the running backs on the Steelers roster. Uh, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, we're getting into Derek Watt. We're also going to talk about what kind of running back could you add to this room, and do you need to add a running back to the Steelers' offense? All of that after this break. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. If you heard our recent announcement, the uh, the, the website we all write at, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, is ditching their connection to podcasts. And we're going to switch names. We're no longer going to be the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Uh, but I'll still be here. The shows will all still be here from what we're hearing. It should be everywhere you still listen to it. There'll just be a different name. When I say brought to you by, it'll be a new name. And that's it. Still be the cutting room floor. Uh, so make sure you're you're staying with us. If, if someday in March you suddenly hear the title of our podcast platform being different, podcast network being different, uh, don't be surprised. Same great content. Same passion for the Steelers. As always, just a different name. And I want you to know that I'll be here. <laughs> I'll be here as long as they let me keep doing this. Uh, so make sure you're tuning in to all of our podcasts on our platform here. Clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. The website's not changing. I'll still be writing articles there. We're, we're, we're really your place for Steelers news and insight from, from people you know, from us. <laughs> if you like, if you like us, you'll you you'll like you'll like us in the future. If you like us now, so thank you for listening, and uh, I'll keep seeing you. It's not really going to change. First half of this show, we talked about the offensive line, and really, my thought that 
the, the best way to really improve the offensive line is to kind of draft a, a tackle and let him compete. Tackle, guard, wherever. Let him grow into the position and then see what we get. We move to the rest of the running game. We move to running backs. First name we have to talk about is Najee Harris. Steelers' first-round pick two springs ago. He's a good starting running back. In fact, I'd put him in the top 10. And I'm okay with top 10, top 15. As long as you're not ranking Najee Harris in the bottom half of the league starters or like bottom 10, and you're not ranking him like ahead of the Nick Chubbs and that kind of category of running backs, I'm okay with it. He is a higher tier starting running back. And I think he's a very good fit for the Steelers. And let me tell you why. Najee Harris, as people have talked about, especially the first half of the season, his vision isn't great. He got really knocked on it early in the season, and then later in the season, people stopped talking about it. But you can watch the film, still the same guy, still the same not great vision. Second half, first half, his rookie season, not a vision guy. That's He's not a, a high-tier vision running back. He's no Le'Veon Bell, that's for sure. Does that matter? We saw what he did his rookie season. We saw what he was able to do the second half of 2022. What was the difference? Well, if you don't have vision, but you have the physical tools, you're still going to be pretty good. I liken it to wide receivers and route running. If you have great route running, you can get open, right? If you have a great quarterback, you don't always have to be that open. You can catch the ball and make plays. You don't really have to be that open. If you can get open all the time, but you don't catch the ball, what's that worth? Najee Harris, in running back terms, is the physically talented wide receiver who doesn't need route running to get open. But he may need a quarterback who can nail some throws. For me, the running back equivalent of that is... He doesn't have great vision, but if your offensive line can actually block the run that's supposed to be there well, he doesn't really need that great a vision. Willie Parker, not a good vision back. Look what he did. Because the offensive line cleared his lane. Like you're supposed to run, we're running a, a, a an off, we're running a counter play. Boom. See the blocks, follow the blockers, go. You don't have to have great vision. If the Steelers' offensive line is blocking well, uh, Najee Harris's vision doesn't matter nearly as much. Nearly as much. And he runs hard. He's got good physical tools. When he hits the hole, he hits it hard. Arm tackles, uh, like trash around his feet, people's arms, legs, stuff like that. They're not taking him down. He has really good vision. He's got good power. Again, not not like a Nick Chubb level here. Again, I'm going to go back to Nick Chubb. If you want a combination of vision, balance, and power, Nick Chubb's your running back. He's one of the best in the NFL. He's one of the more well-rounded running backs in the NFL. He's he's good across the board. Najee Harris, not that dude. Doesn't have that vision. Does have really good contact balance. Does have good power. He breaks a lot of tackles. That stiff arm is brutal. 
And one of my favorite things about him is he is one of the most violent runners in the NFL. If, if you did the NFL by how violent a running back is, how much they enjoy attacking someone trying to tackle them, Najee Harris is right up there at the top. Right up there at the top. Uh, for ability to do it, I'd put him slightly below a, a Derrick Henry. But in the passion he puts into it and the amount of joy he derives from it, I'd put him top of the list. The man wants to put his hand on you and put you on the ground. Like he wants to do that. If you see the video of him and Miles Garrett talking about that play, I shared it on Twitter at one point where Miles Garrett tackles him in the backfield, but Najee Harris gets his left hand pinned by Miles Garrett and is pinned into his chest, right? And pinned up against his body. So his elbows as bent as it possibly can be. His arm is kind of trapped into his chest. And he takes that and turns and throws Miles Garrett to the ground. Garrett, being a big, strong, you know, athletic freak of nature who's a fantastic football player, is able to hold on to Najee Harris's arm enough to pull his knee down. And after the game, Najee Harris and Miles Garrett are talking about that play. And Najee Harris is jumping up and down. He is so excited. He is so intensely into talking about that play. The amount of joy he he took from that and the amount of frustration he had that he wasn't able to keep his knee up and make the run continue, you know, and turn that into like a highlight play. Najee Harris is passionate about his violent running style. And I dig that. Is that the best thing for his longevity? Probably not. But the man's out there doing what he loves, and man, it's fun to watch. Uh, so I love that about him, and it's a it's a great trait when your offensive line is blocking well, and you're they're getting him those first couple of yards, those offensive line yards that we talked about in the first half. Najee Harris's vision isn't that big a deal. Let him break some tackles. Let him go out there and mess some dudes up. Let those make defensive backs have to deal with that. We all remember Jerome Bettis when we got to the fourth quarter and defensive backs didn't want anything to do with him. That's your Najee Harris. Steelers get this run game really going. Najee Harris is that kind of fourth quarter running back where if the offensive line gets him to the second level and he outruns a linebacker and you've got some cornerbacks and safeties back there, they don't want to tackle this dude because they know what's coming. You go try and grab a hold of him. He's going to put his hand in your chest or on your face and just throw you to the ground. That's Najee Harris. I love Najee Harris. Uh, I like him as a running back more high. I, I like him more than I would like rank him highly, right? I, I love Najee Harris, the running back. He's the best running back in the NFL. No. Is he my favorite running back in the NFL to watch? He's top three. He's man, I love Najee Harris's running style. I just like I, I I love it, and I think like a Willie Parker, if you give this guy a good offensive line, he's going to dominate. If this offensive line grows from what it was this year and is even better next year, or is even just the offensive line it was the second half of Latin of last year, and Najee Harris is fully healthy, I, I think you're going to have great results. And other teams are not going to want to line up on defense and face the Steelers. They're just not going to have a good fun time playing defense. 
Jalen Warren is a good compliment for Najee Harris. He's small. He runs hard. He's got a low center of gravity. Another guy with good balance. He's got quickness. They did really good on the plays where the two of them were on the field at the same time. I loved Jalen Warren on jet sweeps. I, I think he's better than any of the receivers on him. He, he just, oh, I love him on those plays. I'd love, I'd love to see more of that. I'd love to see them work with Jalen Warren on actually maybe running a slant route or two, running hooks. Give him a couple of routes he can run and, and really use him in that role. You know, not once or twice a game, but maybe four times a game, maybe five. Throw a pass to him every couple of games. Make the other team really stress Jalen Warren being there. Run a wheel route with him on a on a jet motion where you don't hand it off to him. You know, do do some fun stuff with that. I think Jalen Warren's a great compliment to Najee Harris also because Jalen Warren, man, it's a good pass blocker. We all love seeing a running back light up a dude. Especially when it's our running back and it's not like TJ Watt getting lit up by a running back. Uh, but we love to see a Steeler running back light up a pass rusher. Put him on his butt or just completely stone him. Often on help blocks, right? Let's say you have an edge rusher and the running back's going to chip the edge rusher. You will have problems where the running back will come up, hit the dude too hard, and actually throw him backwards, right? Knock his momentum backwards while the offensive lineman just needs help slow him down uh, so his arc is behind mine and I can block him easier. Not knock him backwards to where it puts him in a track to go inside. And now the offensive lineman is trying to reverse course to catch up to where the defender now is. Jalen Warren was great at those blocks. Hit the dude hard, but don't mess the assignment up. Did a fantastic job. Love Jalen Warren in that role. The other guy we're going to talk about in backs is Derek Watt. I don't know if Derek Watt's going to come back. I could see them bringing him back. I It would depend on how much money Derek Watt's going to want to come to play for any team. Uh, he's, he's made a decent chunk, and he, got a, he had a nice little contract when the Steelers had him. I don't think they're going to pay him that. Not with the rise of Connor Hayward. I don't think you pay Derek Watt that. Uh, so we'll see where they go with Derek Watt, but uh, I liked Derek Watt's role this year. If you're going to replace Derek Watt, you want a fullback who can do that, who can line up as an H-back, who can line up as a fullback who can run short yardage, who can catch a ball if he needs to. You need someone who can have some versatility there to fit this offense, and they've got to be a good blocker in multiple situations, not just a lead blocker coming up, find a linebacker, and put a hit on him. Not just pass blocking, but angles, uh, wingback blocks. Wingback lead blocking is a very different matter because you're not running straight. You're running from the side. Derek Watt would, would be the easy replacement because we know he can do it. And we saw him finally get used this season the way like we envision him being used. Had eight short yardage runs, converted seven of them. That, that's what you want from a Derek Watt. If the Steelers replace Derek Watt, they need that same versatility. Does it do the does the team need a fullback? I think you're better with a fullback and not just saying, well, Connor Hayward showed he could do like 
60% of the stuff that Derek Watt did. Let's just throw him the other stuff and hope he can do it too. I, I think Connor Hayward is a more athletic. He's a better receiver. And I think you put him in a different role than you use Derek Watt. The Steelers have always, when they carried a fullback, they still carried a third tight end. They've always have. I think there's room for that. I don't think that needs to be one position. And I don't think combining that into one position really saves you much in the space of roster spots, really gives you a lot of value. I, I think the fullback gives you more value if you're going to use them like you did Derek Watt. Uh, and we saw at the end of the season, there was there was plenty of room for both Derek Watt and Connor Hayward to be good players. So I think the Steelers will have a fullback again next year. I don't think they're going to combine that with Connor Hayward and ask him to do both. My question that I really want to get to is what kind of running back do you add to this room? And I'm going to start with you add a running back. I'm going to start with that. You add a running back. You do not want to decrease the sharing of the workload that we saw last year develop between Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. You want to extend that. You want to increase that. We also saw last year Benny Snell come in and run well. Averaged five yards a carry in 2022. Came in with some fresh legs, showed off some Benny Snell football. He's a free agent. I think Benny Snell is a good fit for the Steelers offense. Mostly because he plays the heck out of special teams. And Jalen Warren didn't. If you're going to have another running back brought in and you don't have Jalen Warren playing a lot of special teams, which at his size and usage from this year, I don't think he's going to become a main special teams player. You need someone who will play special teams for that running back spot. Penny Snell is an obvious one. Really good, really good special teams guy. And if the offensive line is doing what it did last year, he can be a good running back too. He's another guy. His vision's terrible. Uh, but if the running back, if the hole is where it's supposed to be, Benny Snell is going to get you yards. Not like Najee, but he's going to get you solid yards. And we're kind of looking like a team that has that kind of offensive line. If you had to ask me, would I rather see Benny Snell come back at running back or, you know, and, and invest in a uh, potential upgrade on the offensive line or take that draft pick and turn it into a, a, a good running back, a good run, young running back to give this team like real running back power? Uh, I, I'd rather go the offensive line route. I think you get better out of that and Benny Snell being back. That's my opinion. Steelers running game, I expect to be good next year. I expect, to, I expect it to build on what we saw this year. And that's that's good. I mean, this, this run game turned the offense around and turned it into a, an offense that controlled the clock and moved the ball and scored on drives. They need to bet better at scoring touchdowns. The wide receivers and quarterbacks need to need to grow together and improve. That's that's not the running game's problem. The running game needs to go into next season, pick up where they left off, and see if they can build on it. This team should be a formidable running team in 2023. That's my show. My thoughts on the offensive line and running back situation. 
Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, as always, for listening. Have a great week. And let's go Steelers. Steelers.